Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back and we're picking up where we left off yesterday. We're talking about real estate agents, ultimate business and life plan. But with Julie and I, I'd like to share with you guys a little story from the top of the mountain in uh, North Carolina. We're in the Smoky Mountains just for another few days. Then we return to our home in Puerto Rico. But uh, last evening, we received an absolute ton of snow. Well, actually, two evenings ago, a ton of snow. It was like six inches probably. Yes. And you know, what's funny is that the day before that, I think it was like 65 degrees. We were out on a hike. It was sunny. It was beautiful. And then, you know, of course, all the weather warnings start coming in. And even by about midnight, it was still 50 degrees, but it was starting to rain and blow. And then, like, all of a sudden, at, like, between 4 and 5 a.m., it just turned to this crazy snowstorm. And I, you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, you're in the mountains. That that happens. But as it turns out, this was like a micro event practically just over our neighborhood. Because our neighbors have been saying, you know, you drive like four miles away and there's not any snow and it's like 10 degrees warmer. So well, isn't that crazy? It, and, and so I've been teasing Zoe that it's yeah. because she was praying so hard for snow. That's right. It was a late Christmas miracle. It was. But it made it extra so special excited. because that's really the only thing that she wanted to experience for Christmas. You guys, those of you who have been listening to us for a long time, you know that Zoe turned eight on New Year's Day, and she has, oh, by the way, this is Real Estate Coaching Radio, <laughs> by the way. not our daily book report, our daily diary, but we just, we know some of you will appreciate this, but she's been dreaming about uh, snow ever since she was probably about four. I mean, she wants to watch things about sledding, She's because she's she grew up in, for her first few years was in Texas, it really didn't snow in where we lived in Texas, north of Austin. And we moved to Puerto Rico, and it definitely doesn't snow down there. The average nope. temperature is 80 degrees. And so for us to get snow here, even if it's now melting uh, today, it was still an amazing event. Yes, she got to actually sled for real because we've got some great sledding hills nearby mm-hmm. here. And had a really fun snowball fight with you, or I guess it would be more like a you and Zoe gang up on me. That's what but it was. But either way, it was fun. <laughs> she had a blast. And it gave her some great memories, and I got some good pictures. Yeah, it was amazing. So if you guys want to see those pictures, make sure you check us out over on Instagram. Oh, and Max got to be a sled dog, finally. Our French bulldog <laughs> was a sled dog. Yeah, there are pictures of actually a little video of Max actually pulling Zoe on this, her little pink sled over on Instagram. So you guys can check that out, Tim and Julie Harris. Um, on Instagram. And obviously we appreciate the follow and we usually follow back. So listen, guys, it is the new year. Welcome to 2022. In case you're just waking up, realizing that you've lost a few days, I'm sure you're not alone. Um, but we are going to work together with you this entire year to make this your best year ever. I was having a couple conversations with some coaching clients in a text this morning, and it's fascinating how many people know that this is going to be their best year ever. Um, agents are Always what I would call perhaps, you know, you have to be optimistic to be a commissionally salesperson, right? This is true. You know, for sure. But they are. So when someone says this is going to be my best year ever, one of the interesting thought exercises is, well, why? Why is that true? (laughs) Why? Why is it going to be your best year ever? And the nice thing about these conversations, and it was inspiring and motivational for me even, was that they actually had specific plans. And all the things they were talking about um, started as far as like they're talking about the uh, momentum that they started in uh, 2021, right? So the things they did last year that they know are going to carry 
into this year, skills-based things, things that they know for sure are quantifiable, efforts equals results type activities. And that is an incredible feeling to have when you're entering into the new year, knowing you have listings, knowing you have listing momentum, knowing you're going to have um, you know, a certain number of listings that are going to go active over the next 60, 90 days. That is going to give you the type of um, really at the end of the day, the true motivation that's going to carry you through not just first quarter, but for the rest of the year. If you don't have that feeling right now, if you're in this quagmire of not knowing what to do, not what, knowing what direction uh, to take, the podcast that we're doing this week is especially for you, but it's really for everyone too, because the whole purpose of uh, this week's podcast is to really set your GPS in the direction of success for the rest of the year. So stay focused as we move on to our next points. And um, yesterday, if you did not listen to yesterday's podcast, please go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. It's very, it sets the stage for all these uh, subsequent points. I think, where were we here? Yes, yeah, this uh, is it, Julie. Well, yesterday so, we talked a lot about personal accountability, like owning your goals versus, you know, we, we gave the example of what happens when your accountability partner doesn't show up. You've just made it their fault that you're not successful. That doesn't make any sense. So we talked about personal accountability and we talked about visual accountability in the whiteboard yesterday. And if you're a coaching client, you know exactly what we mean and the effectiveness of that. Oh, I did. I did yes. have someone message me about that. Oh, yeah. They That's said awesome. that they were thanking us for essentially being, and this was someone that hadn't signed up for our coaching program yet, which I thought was funny. But they said just from listening to our podcast, we motivated them to have their best year ever, and they lost like 25 pounds. And That's I awesome. and I so I asked yeah. for details. You know, if someone's gonna, I want to celebrate people's successes with them. Mm -hmm. And they went in to tell me how they lost the 25 pounds from going to Orange Theory and doing all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And then we were, they had listened to yesterday's podcast. We're talking about the accountability boards, and they said they used mirrors as their accountability board for losing weight. That'll do it. You're right. And this was this nothing's was a, more honest than that. This was a guy, and he mm -hmm. said uh, he was probably, I'm guessing, probably like 50. Anyway, so he said he'd never really had mirrors in his house, you know, and so interesting. maybe the mirrors had magically disappeared as he got larger. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think he was married with kids. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, he bought mirrors, full length mirrors, and he put them in different places of the house so he couldn't hide from, uh, you know, actual real honest to God accountability and reporting in. Well, I mean, that is visual accountability at a very obvious level, isn't it? It is. You know, um, the social networking stuff, one of the interesting things about that, assuming someone isn't using a Photoshop project, you know, right. a product uh, program is when they take the before and after pictures of them working out. Mm -hmm. I always admire people that actually when they, they can take a picture of themselves in, in this big gluttonous state and then take little incremental pictures, maybe one or two per month as they improve and then seeing the difference over after 12 months. And what happens nine times out of 10 is that other people, they're motivating other people to also uh, lose weight, but they're getting positive feedback. Now, I'm going to tell mm -hmm. you guys something that's counterintuitive about goals in general, and then Julie's going to get to point number three. Um, it is an interesting, not everyone's wired this way, but most people are. There's been a bunch of studies that have shown the more you share your goals with other people, the less likely you are to achieve them. So the more you share your goals, the less likely you are to achieve them. And the reason is, is because you will get the psychological payoff of having accomplished the goal just from someone's usually positive reaction to you saying what your goal is. Whereas if you tell very few people or tell nobody what your specific goal is, but you write it down, you have an action plan, you stick to your action plan, you, you know, you follow through every single day on what you're supposed to be doing, you're going to have a higher likelihood of accomplishing your goals because yes, positive uh, people will positively reinforce whatever you st your stated goal is, but most times what they're going to do is subversively um, essentially crap on whatever you said your goal is going to be. So just word to the wise, yeah. maybe one of the things you need to practice is 
not oversharing who you're sharing your goals with. And uh, be surprised, don't be surprised when you start moving towards the accomplishment of those goals quicker. Remember, guys, a goal is a dream with an action plan. Um, and at the end of the day, the bigger the plan, the bigger the goal, the longer it's going to take. But be patient and work the plan backwards. And that's what we talked about yesterday. And today we're talking about practice internal accountability and external accountability. What's the difference? Yes. Okay. So practice internal accountability. Again, this gets back to you owning it as if it's external accountability. Well, what is the difference between internal versus external accountability? This is a really big point, actually, and I, I use this on coaching calls. The coaches do this uh, to make breakthroughs happen because it is a lot of mindset on how you're thinking about your goals. So here's the example. Have you ever wondered why it is that your mobile phone is always paid for and you always have gas in your car and food to eat. Well, those are examples of external accountability. In other words, something bad will happen to you if you don't cover those items with your payments, right? You would never miss those payments, would you? Even in the tightest month financially, you always find a way to pay those bills. And here's the thing with things like that. Something bad happens relatively quickly, right? So like your mobile phone carrier does not screw around cutting you off if you miss a payment. Now, internal accountability is different. Everyone says they have a goal of saving more money or paying off consumer debt, and yet it's a struggle to move the needle on those goals for most people. This is because nothing immediately bad happens to you if you don't do it. You could go years without increasing your savings. What would happen if you were sent a bill to pay money into your savings, and if you didn't do it, you'd say lose your real estate license or something else painful enough that you would take it as seriously as you do external accountability, like having your phone turned off for non-payment. So let's stop there and let's use, make that very practical. Mm -hmm. Everyone, when asked if they're motivated by the carrot or the stick, will always say the carrot, but the truth is nobody's motivated by the carrot as much as they are the stick. And most people are not motivated by the carrot at all. For example, we know with Zoe, Mm -hmm. She's not motivated by getting something. She's motivated by losing something. And one of the things we've been practicing while we've been here for the holidays is the something that she's going to lose is her freedom while she does math problems. Yes. So we've been having her for an infraction, whatever that is. She's going to have to basically uh, pay for her sin, yes. <laughs> her, her domestic sin, by doing usually 25 or 50 uh, math problems. And these are not easy math problems. Um, you know, obviously it's addition and subtraction, but now we're moving on to multiplication and division. Um, and she sits down and she gets them done. But that's something that she really wants to avoid because she loses her freedom and she's forced to do something she doesn't want to do. So when you're really wondering what's going to motivate you, you have to think in terms of what you're going to lose if you don't do it. So in here, I'll make this, I'll give you guys this uh, mindset approach uh, full circle. If you get to a point, when you get to a point, where you have enough financial security, you have enough confidence, you have enough stuff, you have enough comfort, you have enough everything, what's going to happen is you are naturally going to, if you're not omnipresent aware of your natural state, you're going to slip into complacency. When you slip into complacency, what happens is that you will stop doing the very things that it took for you to get to the nice, you know, leveled off state you're at. So the move is to never uh, allow yourself to get into complacency. Never allow yourself to slow down. Never stop doing those three to five things that you must do every single day to continue with your momentum. Now, if you're looking for motivation, even after you've accomplished the you know, millions of dollars in income and you know, tens of millions of dollars in net worth and you're having incredible financial security, start 
uh, psychologically manipulating yourself and convince yourself you're going to lose something that you really don't want to lose. And it could be your pride, your dignity, your social status, but stuff is actually the best motivator uh, to keep yourself motivated. In other words, if you're looking to be motivated, maybe you're going to Julie used the cell phone as an example. Maybe you think in terms of, well, what if I don't work today or do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do at the highest level? I might lose my house, right? I might lose my... Um, yeah, my here's the problem to me. People my, wait too long to my, get there. My familial security. I might lose the very things that I put the most pride on because of the uh, today or tomorrow or next week or next month, I'm deciding to allow myself to be complacency. Uh, be complacent. You guys get it? So use the fear of losing something you already have as a motivation uh, for you more than the uh, essentially the pleasure of getting something that you want. Try it. It works. That's right. So to accomplish the goals that are more elusive because they're simply up to you to do, in other words, you don't have an immediate punishment if you don't do it, you must start practicing that internal accountability as seriously as you do the external accountability. Remember, external is when something bad's going to happen to you if you don't do it. So take, for example, the average agent who must earn $5,000 per month to cover their part of their household bills, like the house payment, the car payment, rent, gas, groceries, and of course, their mobile phone. Everyone who survives more than 12 months in real estate pretty much figures out how to do at least that. One way or another, they are covering the basic required bills. Almost subconsciously, right? Almost subconsciously. They can't even hardly tell you that they, what they'll say is somehow I always am able to come through. Right. Because they figured out you know? the least amount of work and effort that they need to put forth to basically cover the, le produce the least amount That's of results. Right. Exactly. They're being, survival they're, mode. They're trying to be in survival mode, which mm -hmm. is giving them that state of complacency. That's right. So take that same agent who has completed their real estate treasure map knows that they must earn 15,000 per month to meet or exceed their goals. Okay, so 15,000 per month after the goal setting versus the five grand that it just takes to get by. So the magic happens when that same agent takes the $15,000 as seriously as they do the 5,000 that's required to just pay their basic bills. In other words, that 15 grand has to be made every month, no matter what, just as surely as the survival money was made. That's the leap of accountability and that's how you meet or exceed your goals but you have to absolutely take it as seriously as the getting by money. I assume we're gonna be talking about, um, like for example, the plane taking off, is that coming up? Um, it can be. Okay, it will be, we, we should integrate <laughs> that. Now. But let yeah. so your real estate treasure map, your real estate treasure map is available for you for uh, for free. The, the actual thing that we wanna give you costs you no money. Uh, so just go ahead and text the word Harris to 47372 and your real estate treasure map is your uh, real estate business plan and your life plan. So get that done. Text the word Harris to 47372. And when you do, you're also going to be entitled to a coaching call with one of our new member coaches. And that does not cost you anything. The, the uh, real estate treasure map, which is a downloadable book with a fill in the blank business plan and the free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Those are things that we are giving you access to for free. So just text the word Harris to 47372. And remember message and data rates may apply. Yes. Yeah, so you know what's really cool about the treasure map, Tim, that financial section that they have to do first. First thing they do is they figure out what is their survival money. And in most agents guess fairly accurately, but are usually off by a thousand or two a month. So it figures out what is your actual, like no matter what, I got to earn that, let's say five grand a month. And that's called my financial picture. That's what they have to do personally. Now, if you're say Michael and Robin Gordon and you live in an expensive area and you have kids in private schools, your number's probably not going to be five when, grand. When they had their kids at home, mm -hmm. when we you were coaching them back when we first started coaching, this was back basically 1990 or not 90, but uh, 
99, 90, yeah, somewhere in there, right. Back when we started coaching agents, and they were essentially just in their formidable years of forming their big real estate group, which is incredible now. They had 275 transactions, and I think 300 million or something. Uh, but they're, they were raising three kids, and their personal monthly nut, now I want you to think about how long ago it was, 20 years ago, right, right? Mm-hmm. was over $100,000 a month. A month. A month. Now, that was- That's the nut. That was, the, that was, in, yeah. that was their house payment. That was their taxes. That private was schools. their private schools, their summer camps. By the way, Julie just said that was their nut. In case you guys have ever wondered where that term comes from, this is very cool. So when there used to be traveling circuses uh, back in traveling fairs, traveling circuses, back mostly out west- the traveling circuses would go to one farmer's field to another and different towns and the traveling circus would show up, you know, and ask the farmer who some cases was acres, if not miles away, that's where he lived. And the, the traveling circus guy would say, let's set up your cir- our circus here. We'll pay you for the use of your field. The farmer would say, okay. And some of these circus owners would, you know, in the middle of the night, just leave and never have to pay said farmer. So what happened is the sheriff would come by uh, on behalf of the farmer and take all the nuts off the wagon wheels of all the traveling circus, you know, wagons so that the traveling circus guys couldn't leave without paying the farmer because the and sheriff they got had their, their nut nuts. Back. Right. I mean, that's the story anyway. So that's so, why we call it your monthly nut. Right. In case you're wondering where that comes from. Yes. And I yes, know people have visions of squirrels and their nuts and things like that, but it, it's, it's all the same. You know, it's, it's like what you have to do to survive. Let's talk about the plane taking off analogy. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's a good place mm-hmm. for us to step into the next part of this. Yep. So the thing that's difficult to explain and understand um, is momentum and the amount of time it takes to accomplish something meaningful in your life is usually about five to 10 times longer than you think it should be. And if you believing the hype on social media, it's like a billion times longer, right? Yes. I mean, you'll hear some you, people are the, the whole filtered, faked up social media, Instagram life is going to really set a lot of people in a, uh, in, you know, the direction of despair, frankly, because they're never going to give themselves enough time to actually put in the effort to accomplish anything. Well, and, and people don't usually post all of the difficult things they went through, right? No, of course. They only post the victories. They right. don't post, oh, I'm having the most rotten day. And if they do, don't you scroll over that? You don't want to hear that. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah, it's basically everyone's fake highlights reels, really what exactly. it's become. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just uh, let me just preface before we get to the plane taking off analogy by giving you guys some um, good things, to th- good thoughts to have. Warren Buffett uh, didn't really become Warren Buffett until he was older than 60. Like, I, th- I believe, I, do you remember specifically what it was? He made like 90%. It's or like 90- 90% of his wealth was after he was 60, I think. Yeah, after age 60. And then there's a lot of other stories and examples of people, some of the most famous, iconic people in uh, the history of the United States, at least. Well, Abraham Lincoln has a very long story of just failure after failure after failure before he became president. Well, there's tons of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, tons. honestly, there's tons. Well, Elon Musk had to borrow money for rent. And now look what he's doing. Well, he's a bad example because he basically was a billionaire when he was in well, his 30s. But, but yeah. <laughs> before that, he, he wasn't. Right. So, you know, if you follow the story. So the moral of the story is, is that you have to be patient. And a lot of things take longer than you think they're going to take. And being very successful in any business is going to take longer than you think. And getting around the uh, learning that your product in your real estate business or any business is profit. And with that profit, then you're supposed to reinvest that money into things that's going to make you passive income. That also takes some business maturity and that takes time too. So when you think about this in terms of a, a, a timeline, right? You have to learn how to sell real estate. You have to learn how to proactively lead generate. Then you have to learn how to basically run a profitable business. Then you have to learn how to keep that profit, not piss it all away. Then you have to learn how to invest that 
uh, real estate profit into things that's going to produce you passive income. Yes. And then that passive income is going to start making you rich because that's when your money starts working for you. You no longer have to work for your money. That's right. But all the steps in between, like learning how to lather, rinse, repeat, right? So what do agents usually do the first time they have massive success? They celebrate it as well they should. But then they typically have a quarter that's not quite as awesome as the last quarter, and they have to then realize how to uh, systematize and automate. Well, it's because they are believing that things are simpler than they are. What they Take, want them to be, for sure. Yeah, well, that's what society reinforces, and that's what pretty much everything that's being sold to agents is trying to um, you know, leverage, is the sure. belief that you don't have to take... A, uh, a lot of time and a lot of effort to accomplish something meaningful in your mm -hmm. business. That's right. And so that's one of the biggest reasons I think so many agents get, they fail out of this business mm -hmm. is because they don't have the direction, the leadership to know that anything meaningful that they're going to accomplish in their business and personal life is going to take a hell of a lot of time. Yes. Now, and more effort than they'd like. Right. And again, we can give you really hundreds of examples from our personal life of agents, uh, coaching clients who have achieved the greatest amount of success when they're in their 40s and when they're in their 50s and when they're in their 60s. Now, I'll just let me just put a, uh, a point at the end of the statement before we start taking off, talk, taking, uh, talking about a plane taking off, is that um, you, most people, or most of the millionaires, single-digit millionaires, like, let alone people that have net worth of $5 million, are self-made. And by most, it's something like 95%, maybe even more, in the United States are all self-made and they're first generation. And they most of them did not earn or, or rather did not accumulate that amount of money until they were, guess what, in their late 40s into their early 50s. Now, I'm not trying to discourage those of you who are in your early 20s um, to become multimillionaires before you're 30. I mean, Julie and I did, and you can too. But I'm saying is for the uh, mass, vast majority of you, you cannot allow yourself to give up too soon because you have a lot of life left and you can fit a lot of living in to a year, 24 months. You would be in, you'll be shocked and amazed once you start building really, truly powerful momentum in your business and personal life, how many different ways that benefits you and how much better the quality of your life and the relationship you have uh, will be. It's really extraordinary. Um, so here's the idea. I want you guys and Julie and I are going to be on a plane, what, Friday or Saturday? Saturday. Right, and we're doing a lot of traveling next year. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know neither Again. one of us are looking forward to it. Well, I liked our, our year, our uh, two months yes. off when we drove around the country, but as far as all these other business-related trips, that's, I'm not too enthusiastic about those, but we're going to do what we don't want to do, and we don't want that's to do right. it at the highest level. We shall level. figure it out. Right, so here's, here's the idea. Now, I want you guys to think about momentum, and this is really what it's all about. Now, I want you to think about it in terms of being on a plane. And so in this particular case, you're going to be both the pilot and you're going to be the passenger. So just stay with me as I describe this to you. Uh, so you're going to be, um, you know, the pilot and you're, you're waiting for the plane to load. You're waiting for the, the food and the beverage services to load, the luggage to load, the passengers to load. You're late, waiting for the clearance from the tower to take off. You're waiting for your co-pilot to say everything's good to go. You're waiting for, you guys get the idea. You've been in those situations before. You've been sitting on the seat. You've been seeing all these people going through their uh, checklists all the way around uh, just to prep the plane for takeoff. That is the state that, and the, now remember, just for the pilot to have gotten there, you are the pilot. Just for you to have gotten into the front of the plane, you had to go to pilot school. Maybe you were in the military. You had to put a lot of time and effort even before you had the right to earn the opportunity to fly that plane, right? You guys get it? This all makes sense. So the pilot that's sitting in front of the plane, let alone the co-pilot, they had to go through years of work and effort just for the right to fly that jet to take you to wherever the heck you want to go. Now, conceptually, I want you to think about that. Just for the pilot 
to have the right to fly that plane for two or three hours to you know take you from point A to point B. He had to spend years, if not decades of his life in practice and trial and error and building momentum so that he could have that job. That's kind of an extraordinary commitment to becoming a pilot, don't you think? And, and that's just to the point where he can actually do his job. And even when he gets there, he is still, even after all of that training and flight hours and continuing education, whatever they call it as a pilot, right? He still uses checklists, doesn't he? Yeah, of Thank course. goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's I trained so. that way. That's the reason, <laughs> frankly, a lot of ex-military um, and certainly pilots are some of our best coaching clients. Always. Right. Because they're used to, they're like, they say, Tim and Julie, just tell me what the hell tell to, me do. What to do. Give me the system. Give me the, give plan. Me the plan. Exactly. Yeah. They don't want to screw around and try yeah, to figure awesome. it all out. They are. So uh, there you guys are. You're the pilot. You've got your cool little hat on. You're sitting in the plane. You're ready to take off. You've got the passengers loaded. You say, hello, this is Bob. I'm your pilot. And we're going to be flying from point A to point B. There's going to be, you know, no t uh, chances of turbulence. Everything's going to be great. We have a whole bunch of great movies. Everything's okay. Now, you're Bob. You're starting to taxi out to the runway. You guys have all been in those situations before. You know the funny thing, Julie, when I think about this analogy, you and I did not fly on a plane until we were like it what in earlier or, it, yeah well no, i was in middle school i was older I than that yeah i was in high school and and some i know some people that are coaching clients that we come across that are in their 20s that have never been on a plane get on a plane guys get on a plane <laughs> seriously you got to get out of your backyard you, you know yeah. that's another thing that's fascinating too is one of the biggest um i would say uh challenges that all of us have are the environments in which we find ourselves mm -hmm. in the human uh the the humans that make up our environment but also the actual environment most people are born and uh essentially live their lives and then die within a 25 mile radius to the exact same spot nothing wrong with that not judging but i'm just saying that means that most people probably never actually leave their hometowns they stay within their own little bubbles their entire lives and they lose out on the potential that they could have had so one of the best things you can do, one of the best gifts you can give yourself is actually going other places and going not just other places that are similar to where you live, but going places where you might find inspiration, going to places that you will find challenging, going to places where people speak foreign languages, where the air smells differently, where the food is different. Do those types of things and when you come back, you will be a changed person. One of my friends that's traveling right now from Puerto Rico, she posted, uh, she's in Madrid right now. She posted this morning, you can't have a full passport if you have a closed mind. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a good quote. All right, so now you're yeah. Bob the pilot and you're flying yep. to Madrid. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to reel all this back in. <laughs> yeah. So you're sitting in the front of the plane. You're going to take, the, the plane's going to take off. The, you know, you're sitting, you're taxiing out to the runway. You know, you're, remember I told you you're going to both be the pilot and the passenger in this uh, story just so you can kind of relate both ways because most of you have never been in the front of a plane so you can relate through being a passenger. So the plane is rumbling and rocking and rolling and making the noises and it's just not too much, right? It's taxing. And then you're going to get to the actual runway where the where Bob's going to decide I'm going to take this plane off I'm going to you know have to uh, throttle down I have to get the nose up I have to clear the end of the runway it's takeoff I, time I have to, it's takeoff time now a couple thoughts for all of you guys when does the plane use the most fuel does it use it when 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 it's taking off when it's uh, getting to altitude or when it's at cruising altitude so I want you to actually in your mind answer that question those are three questions does it make does it use most of its fuel when it's getting to take off when it's essentially breaking gravity right and it's climbing to altitude or when it's at cruising altitude when does it use the most fuel you know when it uses the most fuel it's when it's left the runway and it's actually trying to climb to altitude so when it's building the most momentum that's when it takes the most work 
that's when the plane starts rocking and rolling. So you're back in the plane. You're now a passenger. Or you can pretend you're Bob. It's all good. And you're throttling down. The plane's going down the runway. The plane's, the nose, you can feel the nose lifting up. All the gauges, everything's good. Everything's working like it should. Plane reaches, it starts to, you know, leave the earth, right? And we're, it, you're starting to gain altitude, starting to gain altitude. You've cleared the end of the runway. And then, you know, Bob, now you're a passenger. Bob decides, you know what? Hell with this. I'm going back. And this is too much work. I don't want to do this. It's going to take three hours. I don't want to put in the effort. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Done. Yeah. I'm going to go make a TikTok video, right? I'm going to go to some event where they're going to teach me how to do YouTube videos. And so what does Bob do? Bob then throttles down, turns around, goes right back to the runway. He doesn't go, go back to the runway and get, turn around and ready to, get, uh, to take off again. He goes right back where he originally was, where everybody was getting unloaded and uh, everyone was getting loaded and unloaded. Getting with, ready to get started. Getting ready to get started. You guys get the analogy? You've never hopefully been in a situation like that where the plane had to turn around. I think we were in that situation once, weren't we? Once, but it was for a good reason. Yeah, the plane broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but for the most part. That's okay, but that's not what we're talking about. That's a good about. time to turn around. <laughs> That was a good Bob. That was a good Bob. But if you're a pilot and you're a passenger and all of a sudden you're seeing Bob just basically decide to change direction in his personal life and this isn't working for me and I'm going to go try to do something else because this is taking too much time and he turns around, you're, he, what's going to happen with Bob? A, he's going to get fired as a pilot, but B, he's not really a pilot, is he? He's just somebody that's playing pilot. He's not actually going to ever get to altitude. He's never going to get anywhere. He's not willing to expend the fuel it takes to get to cruising altitude. Or the time or the effort. And that means he's always going to be getting ready and get started. And a lot of you guys have lived your entire lives, not just your real estate businesses that way. You've never been willing to actually put in the effort. You've wanted everything to feel passionate. You've wanted to feel everything to feel exciting. You like that new feeling. You're addicted to it. You do not know how to emotionally commit to the drudgery part, the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Soon as you enter into that phase of your natural progress, assuming you're going to complete, uh, uh, continue to gain uh, altitude, as soon as you get to the point where you're, it's not fun, you're not passionate, it feels like work, Everyone told me I have to be, in order to be successful, I have to be, you know, passionate. Everyone told me that once you're passionate about something, money will follow. No one told me it was actually real work. Tim and Julie did. Tim and Julie told you that if you want ever increasing levels of success, do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You guys understanding how this is just common sense? It's practical and tactical. How can you get good at anything if you quit all of a sudden when it gets hard? When it gets hard is where you actually should get the most excited. And yet they put the plane back on the runway. Every time. And, and why should you be the most excited when it gets hard? Because in the back of your mind, the pushing through the hard is the unfair advantage you're going to have in your business and personal life because the when it gets hard part is when most people quit. And so if you can push past, when you push past the it's now hard part, and you push past that to the point where you get up to where Bob is going to get, Pilot Bob, where you're cruising altitude, then what happens is Bob can cut back on the effort, cut back on the fuel, the plane gets quieter, he can get up and, you know, walk around that maybe. That freaks or, me out. When he, they, I like, know, when they the walk out. The pilot's going to the restroom, what, yep. you know, like, yep. it must be okay now, right? <laughs> if he's doing that, the co-pilot's in charge, we're cruising altitude, we're whatever. Assuming. We're assuming. But here's the counterintuitive thing, right? And I've had this conversation with so many agents, and I know that our coaches have. Here's the counterintuitive part. Agents will say, well, I don't know, how long is it going to take for that takeoff before I can get to cruising altitude? That seems like a lot of work. That seems really hard. It is going to take a lot of work. It is going to take a lot of time. It's going to take more time than you think it should take and more work than you think it should take. And you got to do it anyway. 
That's really the truth. It does not matter what, look, when you, for example, become a coaching client of ours and you follow the path and the business plan that we create you create for you as a coaching client of ours, it, for some of you, you're going to get it relatively quick. You're not going to fight it. Your egos are not going to resist. You're going to stop looking for easy button ideas and you're just going to start doing the real work and you're going to do it no matter what you feel like or what you think about what you're doing. You're just going to do it. Because you know that you have to continue to put forth the effort in order to reach cruising altitude. When you reach cruising altitude, that's when life gets easier. Cruising altitude is when you have money in the bank, your house is paid off. Cruising altitude is where you have established yourself as a true real estate professional, not just another BS artist who's on social, basically leaning on someone else's Lamborghini. It's when you're a kick-ass listing agent. Exactly. That's the bottom line. It's when you're a kick-ass listing agent. Now, let's say going back to the Gordons, their cruising altitude was when they were comfortably making enough money, obviously, to pay their business and personal bills. They could take some time off. Things were just in a, they had positive momentum. If they had stopped for a day or a month, a day may be okay, a month okay, depending on their situation. But if they had not produced, if they had not pre-produced for that time of non-production through, uh, their, through their present efforts, like for example, if you want to take a week off and you guys know this is, you already know this, this is how you naturally think, but you fight it. If you're going to take a week off or a month off, you got to do that week's or worth, that uh, month's worth of work now. You can't try to catch up when you get back. You got to do it ahead of time. Otherwise, you're going to pay the price. You're going to lose what you already have. So the moral of the story here is, is Bob's flying the plane. And let's say it turns out that there is a storm ahead. Let's assume, you know, and then what does Bob do? He can change direction slightly. He can write, he can go to the higher altitude, which is typically what they do to fly above the storm. Because he has the skill. Because he has the momentum. Mm -hmm. And if Bob had used all of his energy getting ready to get started and going back and forth, back and forth, he would not have the energy or frankly, he wouldn't have the time. Maybe Bob's too old. Maybe Bob's lost his, any sort of inspiration in his life. Maybe it, Bob doesn't even want to go through the storm. Maybe Bob just is going to give up and basically, you know, essentially go back to the runway and never take off again. This is what happens to so many of us in our lives. And it's not an age thing. This happens to people at all points in their lives. It happens with their, their health, their spirituality, their finances. It happens with their finances, obviously. It happens with their, I said that twice, it's that important. <laughs> it happens with their education. It happens in all different categories of your life because you stop putting forth the consistent effort. What are you thinking, Jules? Well, I mean, I was thinking about the, the skills part of that and who are typically the best pilots, the ones that have done it repetitively who don't even think about putting the plane back on the, the tarmac unless there's a good reason, right? I, I had a, a flashback of the whole Captain Sully incident, right? You don't want him, something happens. You don't want your pilot being like, huh, now I think, I think somewhere I heard how to deal with this on a podcast. Let me look that up. <laughs> no, you want him to know what to do instinctively and to have that high level of skill. And in that case, it saved a bunch of people's lives, right? But that takes the repetitious boredom of learning and doing and having faith and not being one foot in and one foot out. See, the problem, and this is not a new problem, this has been going around for decades, is that you guys think the branding and marketing and you guys think the making you appear successful is going to convince people you're successful and then you'll become successful. You believe that lie. And that's the reason that so many of you fail. That's the reason so many of you are constantly starting and restarting, looking for the new idea because you've not really built anything substantial in your minds and, you know, in your pocketbooks, you've not really done anything significant because you've never really been told or you've been told and you just still look for the shortcut. 
um, and you've never really put in the effort. This is what you should be changing in your lives in 2022. You should be sick and tired of allowing yourself to look for the easy buttons and take the shortcuts. I wonder how many of you actually will. Statistically, I'll tell you how many of you will. Less than 10% of you listening. And this podcast has had over 20 million downloads since we started doing it. This podcast has tens of thousands of downloads on a regular basis. And I know statistically less than 10% of you will actually decide to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. You're our people. Those of you who are listening right now who you know we're resonating with, you're our people. You're the people that we want to be on that plane with you. Now we're going to really reel this in. We're going to bring this back to the real estate treasure map because here's the magic of what we, I think you'll agree, created for you with that free treasure map and just text the word Harris to 47372. Text the word Harris to 47372. And remember, uh, data and message rates may apply. So when you decide, for example, you do your real estate treasure map, you figure out your real estate magic number, you know how many listings you need at all times, let's say it's five, you, you know, you hem and you haul and it's a lot of work and oh, it's too, oh, I want to go to some sort of event and learn how to make TikTok videos and I'm going to create a bunch of fakery doodadded, you know, highly filtered, you know, Facebook posts and all right, you put all that crap behind you and you decide you're finally going to listen to your internal voice. Your higher self is telling you to stop screwing around that you're just pissing away your opportunity and you're, and you're not going to, you know, spend all your time buying buyer leads anymore, worrying about your brand. You're actually going to reel it all in and focus on the real, the real work of real estate. You've made that commitment to yourself. Let's say I'm speaking to you right now. You've completed your treasure map. You need five listings at all times. Let's say you have five listings at all times, five listings at all times, pays all of your bills, covers all your other overhead, gives you some financial security, puts you in a position to save money every single month. Now what happens? You decide to buy a new house or you want to buy a house in our neighborhood here in Murphy, North Carolina, though I don't necessarily call this a neighborhood. <laughs> semi-rural. <laughs> semi-rural. Yeah. Let's just decide you want to buy a boat. You want to buy a Ferrari. You want to buy whatever the hell it is you want to do. You want to go to Paris for a month. You now, if you follow our coaching, can easily accomplish the goal because all you have to do is, like Bob, set your course a little bit higher, change your altitude. So Bob now is cruising altitude. Bob decides he needs to go above the storm or maybe just Bob wants some smoother air, entirely possible. Bob then has to put in a little bit more effort, a little bit more fuel. So you're sitting as a passenger again. You're in first class, of course. The plane now is doing a little bit of hemming and hauling. You're hearing the engines getting spooled back up. And Bob's now at that, you know, pilot Bob's now at the next altitude. And you are cruising again. And the air is indeed smoother. How do we apply that to our coaching program? Same deal. Your magic number of listings as of today is five listings at all times. You now decide you want to start taking time off and accumulate wealth faster. So you need to spend that up to seven listings at all times. So you can go back to your real estate treasure map and you can alter the numbers and you'll realize that it all comes down to numbers. And then you can then, again, we teach you and coach you how to do all of this. And then you can increase your consistent number of listings from five at all times to seven at all times. And now that seven is going to produce even more abundance for you. And you're, it, the thing that's shocking is when you actually are at cruising altitude and you want to rise to the next level, the amount of effort it takes is vastly easier because of all the preparation and the learning and the effort that it's went true. into you getting there in the first place. Again, counterintuitive, right? Because they think that, oh my gosh, you know, handling three or five listings at the same time on, and what if they're all pending at the same time? And this is really stressful. They, some of them cannot, uh, they struggle to imagine what adding two more would be like. 
And that's the counterintuitive part. When you're at that cruising altitude and you have more listing inventory and it is lather, rinse, repeat, it actually is easier, not harder. But that's assuming that you, like Bob the pilot, have an actual flight plan. Well, you use Sully Sullivan as an example, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. he, he didn't. He naturally knew what to do. He was operating on, on a conscious competence, right? right? The highest level of learning. Mm -hmm. And when you get there in your real estate business as a listing agent, you can dramatically increase your uh, income by simply taking more listings. Incremental. And, and it's not. Look, if you're a brand new agent, you've only been buying buyer leads, and you know I know a vast majority of you are like that. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, these guys are speaking above our heads. Why? Why is it you're believing that you can't become a listing agent? Why is it that you're believing there's not more opportunity on the listing side of the equation? Guys, if you want to know what 2022 and pr frankly for the next 10 years is going to be like for buyer's agent, not good. You know, it's <laughs> that's gonna, the summary. That's summary. Yes. Bad, bad, yeah. more work, less opportunity, less pay. That's what you have to look forward to as a buyer's agent. That's just the bottom line. Listen to our past podcasts. We told you all the headwinds to agents who basically are dependent on buying buyer leads. Your commissions are going down. The cost of your leads are going up. Your the uh, available inventory is not going to dramatically increase any uh, time soon. There's not going to be any sort of real estate crash or correction. So if you think you're going to be able to build a meaningful real estate business and a meaningful uh, quality life behind that business predicated on buying buyer leads, it is going to be a thousand X more effort than if, if you can do it at all versus if you'd followed our coaching and focused on becoming a listing agent. That's right. So follow a plan. You don't want to be in a plane with a pilot that doesn't have a flight plan, do you? So if it's best for them, it's also best for you. Don't operate your business off of hopium. And gosh, somehow everything just comes together for me every, every month. There are many professions where that doesn't work. So don't be one of those. Don't keep putting the plane back on the tarmac. And I, what I'm about to say, I absolutely mean. Do not sign up for our coaching unless you're actually willing to get your ass off the runway. Okay? Yeah, just amen. don't do it. If you're not actually serious about your success, or if you're not at least 75% serious about your success, don't sign up for our coaching. We only want people who are actually willing to put in the effort to get their butts off the runway. And I'm speaking to, again, not a lot of you, because vast majority of you, you want to be told that it's essentially sprinkling fairy dust and believing in uh, fairy tales, and that's somehow magically gonna create abundance for you. You intuitively know it's a lie. If you are new and you only intuitively know it's a lie because you haven't been in the business long enough to know it's a lie, why don't you go and ask for ask your broker or office manager how many agents have come and gone off that out of that brokerage in the last two years? I'll give you the number. More than 50% of all agents fail out of every, on average, in a brokerage per year. And if you look at it holistically, most people in real estate are completely out of the business within 60 months. A vast majority of them quit um, after two years. And why is that? It's because they are doing the wrong things. They're not doing the things every single day to get off the runway, let alone get up to altitude and stay there consistently. They're chasing the easy buttons. They're only being exposed to essentially scammy ideas. They're going to keep them on the runway for life. You know, if I'm talking to you, if Julie and I are talking to you right now, we are for you. You are for us. You need to become a premier coaching member. Stop screwing around. Stop waiting. Stop procrastinating. Premier Coaching is what you've been looking for. It is your step-by-step -step daily plan. It includes a daily semi-private coaching call. It is intense. It is focused. It's a customized program designed around you, your goals, your plan. Not everyone's going to operate at the same level. I mean, I have so many agents' names and faces mm -hmm. popping in my mind right yep. now. Some of you will get it right away. 
Some of you will start actually making the effort to get off the runway after about six months. Others will take a year. Some of you will unfortunately start and stop, start and stop, and then you'll actually get it because you'll get frustrated with yourself. That is whatever the level of a challenge you decide to put in front of you, it's all up to you. It does not matter. The plan that we have for you in Premier Coaching works. It works in all price ranges. It works in all market conditions. It works no matter what your age, your education level is. It works for everyone. So do consider becoming a Premier Coaching member. Uh, there's links in the description of today's podcast, or you can obviously just go over to timandjulieharris.com. Click on Premier Coaching and just join. Stop procrastinating. It's actually easier for sure than what most of you are doing now. You know, it is easier. So... Uh, one of the, the best emails I get from people are how they felt after they actually stopped procrastinating and decided to commit to themselves and commit to their goals and become yeah. a premier coaching member. It's liberating in a way, isn't it? It is. Well, it's because... Because they're for, starting to finally own it. Exactly. That's what it is. It's not that, oh, I just bought a new thing that's going to create leads I'll for my business. I'll try it out. Stop right. saying try. They have committed uh, to actually learning how to become a pilot. They are now, and what, what really is interesting is and when I ask them sometimes, why is it, why did you procrastinate? You've been listening to podcasts for a while. You've read our book, right? Why is it that you awaited? And it's, and their answers are never this clear, but they're a, a, a derivation of this. They in essence say it's because I wasn't ready to commit to myself. Now they don't say that. They stay the versions of that, and that's sure. the reason why. So for those of you who are finally ready to truly commit to yourself and what your possibilities and capabilities are, we're here for you. We've been waiting for you. Where the hell have you been? Exactly. <laughs> we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. That's right. So, guys, we will pick up tomorrow where we left off today. Um, and, again, uh, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the United States and around the world. If you've not purchased our book, if you're looking for something to listen to or read, do consider picking it up. It's available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, obviously, every major bookseller. It's called Harris Rules. And uh, it really, again, Harris Rules is a great A to Z uh, overarching business plan, and the coaching takes you to the next level. So in the meantime, we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.